Thank you for tuning in to Coffee with Chris, a podcast with educational information for Carruthers Insurance Brokers. Carruthers Insurance is a cornerstone in the Nevada insurance industry and has been empowering independent brokers since 1969. Your host is Chris Carruthers, president of Carruthers Insurance and your insurance agency. Let's get to it. Hello and welcome back. This is Chris Carruthers and our guest today is Dr. Troy Bertoli with P3 Medical Group and our topic today is comprehensive visits. So just to let you know who's listening, so Dr. Troy Bertoli works at the Whitney Ranch office and if anyone knows uh, Henderson a little bit, he's on 1500 West Sunset Road number 100 which is in Henderson, Nevada. 89014, which is over there off of Sunset and Stephanie by the behind the target, if you will, if you guys will know that's at. Um, and so um, as we, as I get to introduce uh, Dr. Troy Bertoli, I'd like to let you get to know him a little bit more. But one thing I looked up uh, before I introduce him or let him share, <clears throat> I did look up online and he on his on his website, um, which is the p3hp.org you can find his information and his uh his uh, colleagues information too but he has a thousand thirty six reviews and out of he has i don't know how you get percentages but he's got a 4.72 percent star rating which uh, obviously speaks very highly um of dr Bertoli. so um which i've always liked him too and i've met some of his patients who very much are very fond of him over the years and so with that, I'd like to take a moment to, to learn more about, her, about uh, you, Dr. Troy Bertoli. So, um, you know, tell me, tell us about yourself, like how long you've been in Vegas, uh, your family, you know, how long you've been in practice. Give us a little information about you. All right. Illusion. Uh oh. Oh, can you hear me now? Now I can. <laughs> Sorry, I'm a little technically challenged here. That's okay. You're there. I'm a little <laughs> yeah, scared. there. It's all good. <laughs> yeah, I didn't. I, I didn't know those uh, stats. Uh, those those uh, stats, and there were that many reviews on there. So, uh, thanks for sharing that. I guess that, I made you nice speechless and, uh, for about thirty awkward. seconds. I, you were speechless <laughs> for thirty seconds, I guess, huh? <laughs> yeah, I had to think about it and take it in. <laughs> Sorry about that. Um, so yeah, well, when, when you were talking about our office, uh, I was uh, I couldn't help but think about the the patients who get lost uh, finding it here. Uh, and how I got lost when I was first uh, getting hired. Um, so when you, if you put this in on a map, uh, the trick is you have to pick the address on Sunset for Henderson. If you pick the one that says Las Vegas, it takes you all the way to the other side of town, and uh, you'll you won't make it. <laughs> so there's a little tidbit of trivia. <laughs> you'll it be calling. Cool. Where are we? That's literally the other end of town. It literally is on it, op an opposite polar ends of you. It totally is. It's up by like San Martin Hospital or something. Uh, and when I when I was first getting hired, I 
I was heading to a meeting, and I said, well, let me just swing by there. I think it's over here somewhere. So I put it in my map and, and started driving, and I'm driving, I'm driving. I'm like, I'm going to be late to my meeting. i got to go. You know, so I, I, I didn't make it, and I you know, came by another date and found it. That's funny. Uh, so <clears throat> that's one to know. But, uh, yeah, me, uh, I've, I've been in town uh, for 15 years. I think it came in 2007. Uh, so this year will be this year will be 15 years. It's, it's been a little wow. while. So I've seen some changes in town here. Um, I'm a uh, trained in family medicine, and I'm uh, currently um, the uh, Nevada Academy of Family Physicians president uh, for our state. Um, so until I guess it'll be I'll be turning over the reins uh, later this summer at our conference this summer. But that's that's been a pleasure to watch and see our state and go to. Uh, uh, see our state evolve in the medical realm and uh, go to uh, Washington, D.C. and talk with our senators and and uh, Congress people about upcoming bills that affect our state uh, for the medical realm and, uh, you know, helping them um, lobbying, I guess, for for their, their voting because they're not doctors, right? So they sometimes they don't understand the full concept of these things. That's, so that, really that's cool. been fun to do. Yeah, that, that's, that's, that's been a great thing to do, very rewarding. Um, and you learn a lot about Washington. It's a big, uh, it's a big place. And uh, you know, one one year I went and uh, had bought new shoes and ended up, you know, losing toenails on my two little toes and having <laughs> blisters because they were too tight and they weren't stretched out. And I was <laughs> just so much walking. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, so, there's a whole bunny trail there. We may come back to in this conversation, asking more about those bills. But yeah, that'd be interesting. But uh, yeah, good for you, and thank you for doing that because I know. Um, I don't think most patients know that, uh, you know, they're coming in, they're ill or whatever, but to realize that, you know, um, people do give back and they want to make a difference in the people they serve and the state they live in. And, um, and those voices need to be heard. And, and essentially what you're doing is you're bringing the voices from the trenches, if you will, from how it impacts your, your patients and your industry. And you're able to share that with our representatives of Washington, D.C. to help hopefully impact the bills in a positive way, right? Yeah, that's that's the plan and, and help to give them the information. And then sometimes we'll bring the information like, oh, I didn't even know that bill was coming up. And so that'll come for a vote and they don't know, you know, how are they supposed to know how to vote? They have uh, the interns that uh, do a lot of the ground like work for them and they're just so pulled in so many directions with so many things to do up there. It's a, it's a, it's a very interesting uh, thing to see. Um, and so it's, it's not as easy as some people think. It's a very difficult job up there and a very busy job. And you got to, it's a labor of love, I guess. But, you know, that's how you, you can fundamentally change the effect a lot of people, you know, a lot of people in your state. And for, for us on the health side, um, we, they've, you know, we can, we can talk, get into on a tangent. I can go off on on those things, but we try to take medical students up with us and, and residents or a newly graduated doctor and get different points of view or somebody out in the rural medicine. And, uh, huh. and so the, and they're, they're very appreciative of it uh, generally. So I have to ask you one question about that. So have you been fortunate enough to be part of a bill that actually did get passed, and if so what? Uh, yes, not 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 part in say writing the bill mm -hmm. or uh, you know uh, doing those things, but some of it is just like hey, we need to make sure the funding for our 
medical schools and our uh, graduate medical education, meaning the residents come, uh, breaking out new doctors or the rural medicine areas is uh, in place and taken, you know, and is approved. Um, so a lot of times when they'll approve funding for something, it's approved for a certain amount of time that's coming up to an end. And, you know, the, the our rural uh, medicine doctors and the rural medicine training still needs to be to be there. So kind of re, uh, re-upping those funds for those things. And a lot of the, especially the rural medicine up in uh, northern Nevada, uh, they'll they'll stay after they do their training out there, and so we've we've had that, and so they've increased the doctors. Sure. And you know, one of our biggest states challenges is our uh, medical shortage, a shortage of doctors uh, per patient. I think our doctors per uh, hundred, how many doctors per hundred thousand? Uh, Nevada still like forty eight. So we're we're pretty low on the list. Uh, so, yeah. we, but we have new residency programs since then that have been approved and are. And are now coming up. We got a new medical school uh, in this time that I've been doing this uh, with uh, UNLV. Um, so, and their students are just starting to graduate and come through. And so, uh, we'll see it go up. But you know, the, the the as everybody knows, we have a lot of influx of uh, people from other states coming into Nevada. And so, keeping up with that is a, is a challenge. Yeah. Well, very good. Thank you for that little side side road for a moment. Um, so, curious to know, why did you just why did you decide to become a doctor, and how what was that? What's the story? What's your- um, <laughs> my story isn't isn't typical. It's not like hey, I wanted to be a doctor since I was four years old. Uh-huh. Um, I actually originally was doing um, was going to do business administration, and. You know, after high school, I uh, got a job for an ambulance company, and so I was doing maintenance and, and things at the ambulance. Uh, you know, taking care of the uh, the vehicles. And at night, I was going to school to uh, work on the ambulance. So, so then I ended up working on the ambulance. I did that for about six years. Uh, went to school part time. So maybe that kind of got me a little bit interested in the medical thing. And I was, uh, you know, teaching first aid and CPR classes on the side for that. And then I taken one or two classes a semester. takes a really long time to get through school. Uh, so I switched over and was going to go full-time and transferred to UCR and did biochemistry. Um, and, you know, my grandfather was a doctor as well, I guess. And uh, one of my good friends in uh, close friends of high school, uh, their dad was a doctor. And so uh, maybe that influenced me as well. But when I finished my biochemistry degree, it was – you know, uh, either what am I going to do now? And so um, I had some friends who had uh, uh, applied to medical school, and so I applied and got in, and then here I am. Wow. So I say, well, that'll get that, – that, that, I guess I know what I'm going to do for the next, uh, you know, seven years now at least. Um, and, you know, I, I, uh, I, I enjoyed school. I enjoyed learning. And so uh, I think um, that just put me up for the challenge. Yeah, I think I think it seems like I hear there's natural laws that take place or what's in the DNA, and you need to have the brain power. Uh, it's a natural gift, and I seem to see that happen in families where there's multiple physicians and families because they just they just have that gift. And obviously from your grandfather, and and uh, obviously you had the I guess the the genes and the mindset or the 
the ability to learn and and have maybe that gift. But good for you. It's not life's not a straight line, is it? <laughs> you get somewhere. No, and it's you know it's it's persistence too, right? It's the the drive and the persistence and enjoying the process. Yeah. Um, you know, it's not it's not all it's not all uh, smarts. I mean, you do have to be smart, but it's uh, it's also the drive and the and the the love for it. Good for you. So. No, my, yeah, good for you. So, coming around to comprehensive visits, obviously it's the topic of today, but really, I guess, what is a comprehensive visit, and um, and and is is it important, and why is it important? Those type of things that maybe you can help us understand what that is, and and take us down that road, so we can encourage others, whatever it may uh, they may need to do for themselves. Yeah, so a comprehensive visit's kind of like a, a once-over, just looking over everything uh, medically um, to help uh, find any deficits that maybe you didn't know about or maybe you did, and do your screenings and immunizations and uh, get an update so you know your 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 primary care provider has all the information and find out hey do we need to get some medical records from a specialist or from a previous doctor in another state because you just moved here and has your medicines changed? Are you actually taking them or did you have a, you know, sometimes people decide, ah, I don't want to take that medicine anymore because it was giving me the side effects and then we'll have a, a update on those things and find alternatives and sometimes it's just explaining any questions and just kind of a big once over and go over everything and get up to date and, you know, go through medicines uh, sometimes you're on a really expensive medicine that's putting you in the donut hole, and you don't want to take it because it's it's so expensive on the copays, or or it burns through that money, so you're in the donut hole. And uh, there's alternatives that maybe you didn't know about that we can try to find. And sometimes there's not an alternative. You know, uh, but uh, if someone had their colon cancer screening, there's a fall risk assessment. Are they uh, depressed? Are they um, uh, having some pain that's not addressed, you know, all, all those kinds of things. Just kind of go over everything. Okay. So you mentioned something that always has been a, a challenge for us insurance brokers. <clears throat> that is, is that we sit down with a new client and or current client, and we go over their medic medicines. And we find that those medicines are very expensive and it becomes very costly to them to even do it. Sometimes it's a financial hardship. And so you kind of led me to in that what you made in that statement about those drugs. To help them get into a are you are, are there generally other lower cost medicines that you can put people in for most conditions or what's been your experience along those lines to help people um, find um, money so they can't afford to take their medicines i guess you know, a lot of times yes um you know as, as more time goes on we have more medicines becoming generic and more options right we also have newer medicines that uh may work better they also may not work better they might just be more advertised and um seems like they they're super expensive and you think they're super expensive and then two years from now you're like oh they're even more expensive uh, so when they come out with a new medicine, that's, that's they're, they're very costly uh, for the insurance companies and the patients. And so sometimes they're not on formulary, and 
Uh, they've been put on there at the hospital, but then when they get out, they can't realistically afford it. And so we'll look for other alternatives and see what, see what we can find out for them. Are you generally able to find solutions? Are you generally able to find solutions for people? A lot of times, yes. The uh, the you know Medicare, uh, the the pharmacy company will will have coupons, right? You can use this rebate coupon. It makes it only fifteen dollars a month. Well, that doesn't make it fifteen dollars a month of insurance, but um, they're just writing off some medicine to get their new medicine out or to get people taking it. Uh, the but it still may not even be on the formulary for your insurance and uh, Medicare and that trickles down to the Medicare Advantage programs. You know their rules are you can't use any coupons or these uh, discount cards, um, and so you can't so you don't get that benefit. And so you may go there and this medicine sixty five bucks a month. Well, if I have to buy it one month, okay, that's sixty five bucks. But I got to buy it again next month and the month after that, the month after that. Then you know that can be pretty taxing just for one medicine, and if you're on several medicines, you know it adds up pretty quick. You know, hmm. uh, so if we can if we can change those down to uh, cheaper, I'm just throwing out 65 for a number. I don't know, you know, those exact numbers. Right. Um, but if we can uh, change that down to a cheaper alternative for somebody, you know, that's definitely worthwhile. Um, yeah. For uh, sometimes there there used to be. Uh, the insurance is well. If you do the mail order, they'll they'll give you, you know, you pay two copays and you get three uh, three months worth of medicine. That's not always the case now. <laughs> I haven't I haven't seen that I haven't seen that yet. But the but the general copays have come down. Sometimes they don't have any copays with the, as you probably know better than I do, with the yeah. different plans, uh, yeah. depending on what medicines you're on. Yeah. Uh, so. So yeah, we we try to look at those, and a lot of times we can. Or find some other things, um, you know, with P3, there's some of the respiratory medicines with certain insurances that we can get uh, instead of having Advair or, you know, Advair's gone generic now a bit too, but those Simbacort, those type of medicines, or uh, Spiriva, there's uh, a company that will put it into a nebulizer and you get a nebulizer machine and you just sit there and take that medicine uh, and it's it's infinitely cheaper uh, for the patients um, and the insurance companies, so they're covering it, but, you know, getting it on, on board with all of them is, is a challenge. Not all, not all insurance companies cover that, but that's something we're doing to help out patients. And then that, that also goes, as uh, Medicare patients, experienced Medicare patients would know, um, there's benefits, meaning the insurance company pays it through your pharmacy benefits, through your prescription plan, and then there's the insurance company pays it through the medical plan. So with these nebulizer treatments, they go through the medical plan, and so that money does not go towards putting you in the donut hole. So if you take that out of a uh, inhaler medicine that was there going through your pharmacy plan, now that's gone, and that's not you know your insurance isn't getting charged three hundred dollars a month or whatever it is uh, to march you to that donut hole. Uh, you can save quite a bit. Well, that's something special P3 is doing. That's not a common, doesn't sound too common to me. So yeah, well, we're, 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 we're trying to find different ways and be creative to, uh, you know, sometimes it's just thinking outside the box and trying to find ways to do this um, to, to help out. Very good. Thank you for that. And another question would be <clears throat> on these, how often should be someone be doing 
these these visits, these comprehensive visits? How how often they should be doing it? Well, that's a good question. Um, so the requirement for Medicare, which they really want you to do, and that trickles down to the Medicare Advantage plan, is they want you to do it once a year. Um, if someone has Medicare insurance, they should do it at once a year and a day, right? So it has to be 366 days from your last one. Um, that's not the case with the Medicare Advantage plans. Uh, Medicare is called an annual wellness visit. The With the Medicare Advantage plans, we call it the comprehensive visit. Uh, so, but that doesn't have that, it has to be at least a year requirement. So some patients might need to do it twice a year. They've, they've had more illnesses, they've seen more specialists, they get more diagnosis, or they have some big medical events, they've gone to the hospital. And so having that update, maybe sometimes we'll do that twice a year to help uh, just keep everything balanced out. And to, you know, we, we don't want to have old information. Um, if, if someone's really healthy and say, hey, I just take a blood pressure medicine or uh, I'm on one blood pressure medicine, it's well controlled, and that's it. Then, you know, do they need to do it twice a year? Probably not. Um, but once a year uh, should do that. And then, you know, I did, I did mention that before. Part of that is, hey, do you have an advanced directive on file? Mm. Right, the, the, the paper that says, the paper that says, what do you want them to do? Uh, if uh, you need CPR, you need to be put on a breathing machine, a respirator. You know, as 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 we've seen more and more of this come to light in the news with the COVID infections, unfortunately. Um, that becomes more important uh, to have that designed out what you want and what you don't want. Um, so that just gives you the best chance of having whatever you want or don't want happens. And, you know, I like to tell patients, look, this, this form for the state, you can do a fancy one with the lawyer and it's much more detailed, but the state also has a nice easy two-page form. It's pretty easy to fill out. And it, it also helps to bring up the conversation with the family. So I'll, I'll tell patients, look, take this home, and it just brings up the conversation with the family, and that changes them from their point of view um, to uh, from, did I, hey, did I do the right thing? I'm not sure if I'm making the right decision here, to I'm being an advocate for them now because we've already had this conversation, and this is what they wanted. So that takes a lot of stress off of the person making the decision. Um, and of course, by default, they'll do. We, you know, in this country, we do everything to, to that we can medically to, to keep things going. But you know, some people don't want that. So that's, yeah, that's a, part. Sorry, yeah. I went off on a tangent again. No, but you're 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 right. It's it's a tough decision that people get put in that place that they have to make. And if you have that advanced directives, it takes it from having to make a hard decision to then, like you said, be their advocate and just follow follow their requests out of respect. For their requests, and um, right, and that 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 changes the stress, right? That stress can be uh, long term. Did I make the right decision? I don't know. And uh, oh yeah, we've. I think everyone has been there. Hopefully, I hope not everyone has had to be there, but I've been there on a couple occasions, and it's and that was the first thing I was looking for, so that I did not have to be put in the corner and make a hard decision on my own. <clears throat> you know, and so good. Right. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I, th I think it's important, and if it, and, and some, some people, it just their family member doesn't want to talk about it. I've had families, well, I want this, uh, you know, if I they have a couple different kids, and I well, this one I put down to make the decision that they're not gonna, you know, I know they won't uh, make the decision to stop things when I want them to, so I'm gonna choose this other kid <laughs> to do it. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. So, you know, but I, th I think legally, I'm not a lawyer, but I think legally in this state, it goes by 
uh, automatically goes to the spouse for that decision if, you, if you're not able to to conquer an answer. And, and just writing this down doesn't doesn't you know set it in stone. You can always change that later. Um, and there's a the state has a nice website as do a lot of other states. Uh, I think it's livingwilllockbox.com where uh, these forms can be scanned up to, and they'll send you a little card you can put in your wallet so you don't have to carry around this big bright pink paper with you. So you know I could be on vacation somewhere in another state and somebody to be able to look that up on the internet and say, there's, here's their form. What was that website again? I living will Okay. Thank you. Also, um, yeah. I'm going to shift a little bit. I just have to ask, you know, everyone who's been in business or has been in whatever their practice is, um, has been around. There's always a story and can you share a story, obviously, with all the HIPAA stuff and everything else, you know, privacy laws, but is there is there a story you can share, um, you'd want to share when um, you help someone and it made a difference? Uh, well, I hope I make a difference with a lot of people or uh, together we make a difference by, you know, uh, finding things and uh, helping have the treatment. But, um, yeah. you know, in in uh, my dealings with the patients, you know, I, I try to educate people as much as I can so that they're yeah. informed as well. And then, you know, they, they, they kind of give me better feedback to help take care of them better, right? Yeah. Um, so because if they understand why they're taking the medicine and, and um, you know, the benefits of taking it, then they're more likely to do it. They understand how it works and they can, and the possible side effects, and they can give me give me feedback on him hey, having any side effects or I'm not. And, and uh, we have better, you know, more communication is better. So I think an informed patient is best. Uh, yeah. But as far as uh, comprehensive visits, I mean, several times we found things like, uh, hey, your sugar's a little high, you know, and they didn't, they didn't know it. And they said, well, I don't have any diabetes in my family. And we've uh, checked their sugar and, and found out that they're diabetic uh, with, their, with their, some of their routine lab work. Um, or pre-diabetes, they're going to diabetes, and we can make some lifestyle changes. And you know, we 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 have big computers to run numbers on people, so we know we're running around with a uh, high cholesterol and and high sugar, a smoking uh, combination of all those things. Uh, we know where that leads in in the human body. You know, well, I, I feel fine. Well, we don't we don't want to wait until you don't feel fine because if you don't feel fine, your body's not compensating as well. And we're we're further down that road than we want to be, so finding those uh, things early, um, we've made a big benefit in people's lives, and then especially people who are integrated. And, and you know, uh, uh, a gentleman didn't want to smoke, didn't want to quit smoking, and you know, we 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 had a long talk, and then you know about how long he'd been smoking, and he actually ended up quitting. Um, because of uh, uh, interventions and the stuff we found in the testing, right? Um, and so I, re I really enjoy those life-changing things. And somebody comes in, didn't know they're diabetic. I had a, a patient who's uh, A1C, that three-month average when their sugar was 14. You know, normal's up to about 56 on the, the labs around here, and we try to get our diabetics less than seven. So he was he was double that. And just through uh, some changes, he came back, and he, he took everything to heart, and he's, he came back, and he was at eight-point-something, which is still still higher than we'd like, but it was an amazing difference. 
uh, from what he was before. Hmm. And then he's like, oh, well, maybe that's why I was feeling bad. So just because he came in to get things get things checked up, right? Uh, we found, yeah. you know, uh, talk about the GI doctor convincing someone to get, get their colon cancer screening. They found out they had uh, colon cancer early or uh, precancerous things that were they were able to uh, take care of before they grew and really got symptomatic when they were feeling just fine. And so maybe prevented them from, from getting that colon cancer and having to deal with that uh, quite a bit, which is wow, a problem just... with, uh, with the COVID, right? Because a lot of these elective procedures have been put off. And so we're seeing like an uptick on, uh, on those diagnoses. That's good. So you really um, hit the point home. Um, with your experience yeah, I, with the comprehensive, I, I think it's finding things that you know, especially people that think, "Oh, well, that doesn't run in my family. I don't, I don't have it." Well, just get, just get checked. You know, uh, you know, odds are maybe it's not you, and you're correct. But you know, I, I, I don't want to find out that oh, we should have done this six months ago. We should have done this last year or two years ago. Yeah. Well, that's um, that's a great reason why you do your annual visits or your comprehensive visits because. You don't know, and you help people discover, and that's how you change lives, and that's what um, that gives you a smile on your face because you catch it early. Yes, and and what you know what part of what drives me when I'm I'm talking to patients is is patients I've seen early that uh, or previously that we caught late, and they're just like, oh man, I wish you know, um, when I was doing hospital work when I first uh, moved here, I was still working in the hospital and, and working in the office outside. I was a lady in the hospital, I was in there for chest pain and uh so they're doing this work up on her and she and she uh maybe it was abdominal pain. I think could think it was abdominal pain. But she ended up uh, saying just 'cause I'm afraid, oh well I have this uh she lived up north uh, way up north of town, hadn't seen a doctor in years and years and you know, what wasn't really getting her checkups and screens. Um she's like, Well I have this little uh, skin rash thing right here and it was on her upper chest and it was an ulceration, and she actually had uh, metastatic breast cancer that was coming out through the skin. Hmm. Uh, well, I don't think it was met. I think it was there, but it was coming out through the skin, leaving this ulceration. And she thought she just had this wound that wasn't healing um, because she hadn't gotten checked for forever. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we got her in, got her in, uh, dialed in, and got her uh, treated and had the mastectomy. And last time I heard, I haven't seen her in years now, but. Um, she was a decent, good outcome uh, still. Uh, but it's that it's that checkup of, uh, you know, maybe somebody talked to her about the importance of getting a, a mammogram or uh, or checking your cholesterol or checking, you know, people say, well, I feel fine. Well, you know, there, there's side effects of, of this, this cholesterol medicine. Well, there's potential side effects of this medicine, but they don't go on TV and talk about the side effects of having high cholesterol and, you know, <laughs> those those side effects kind of show up all at once when someone has a heart attack or stroke or something. Gotcha. Uh, so uh, getting those things and just get it checked. If they're high, get them down. Get get your blood pressure under control. You know, uh, your heart's a pump. It's uh, it's not rated for really high blood pressure. So if you're running around with high blood pressure, and that's normal for me, I'm okay. You know, you're, you're, over time, the pump's going to give out and start having problems. If you didn't want to take medicine for your blood pressure, once you start having congestive heart failure and, and cardiomyopathy from high blood pressure that's uncontrolled for too long, you end up on a whole fistful of medicine 
uh, and then you're really taking medicine. So it's easier to just take a medicine or two to keep that down um, as a preventative uh, for bigger problems down the road. Wow, this turned into more uh, of um, a call out to make sure people do go get their comprehensive visits. Call out why to do it. Yeah, that's that's why I'm such a big advocate for it. And people, I don't, I don't think I need it. And you know, uh, yeah, you're, you know, that this person probably you're right. They don't, you know, they're going to pass the memory test of flying colors. They're they're out running every day. That is, do they need the 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 test to? Uh, get up and walk 10 feet and come back and make sure they have a steady gait. Probably not, but other people do. And so it's, you know, it's just a, a gestalt come in and, you know, it doesn't hurt you to come in and stand up and walk 10 feet and answer the depression questions, even if you don't think you're depressed and, and, and do those things. It's pretty, pretty harmless. Yeah. Outstanding. So as we're getting closer to winding up, I wanted to discuss your clinic a little bit more. So, I noticed on your in your clinic you have Linda Johnson, who's an MD as well, um, and there's Kelly Waters, who's a DNP, and that's the doctor nurse practitioner. And all of you, all three of you, provide primary care services. But you know, is any variation in who you go to when you're in a clinic, and maybe you're not able to see the doctor, see a nurse practitioner, and how does it all work and how do you guys work together to make sure your patients have the best outcome? And is there any, really any difference uh, of the experience between the type of person or um, doc, you know, whether a doctor or, or what, or a nurse practitioner or whatever is, can you help me with that or help the audience with that? Yeah. Um, our office, you know, when you find a primary care provider, you want to find someone you can communicate well with, right? So, some people are just easier to talk to than other people, right? Uh, just in your day-to-day basis. So uh, you want to you want to be able to have someone that you're comfortable with and you're comfortable communicating back and forth with, um, and voicing your concerns. So we, we try to do that here, and so that's that's in choosing somebody. That communication is is key. Um, but here at our office, we're kind of you know uh, someone's out of town or they're out sick or they're on off for a while we'll see each other's uh, patients and that's that's just fine um and everybody here i've got no problems with them seeing my patients and i you know i hope it's it's the other way around as well um and we have we have uh, when they come back we'll say oh hey i saw your patient here's the update on this and i've ordered these tests and so they'll be getting back to you to follow up they got a follow-up appointment with you so we try to stay in communication on on what's going on with people uh we also have in all of our P3 clinics, we have uh, uh, weekly meetings on patients who have been in the hospital with our uh, our care managers, and uh, who you know, as long as we get the information, they've been in the hospital. But why they go to the hospital, and we need to get them in for a follow-up appointment, and so we try to get them in soon instead of having them sit at home because patients who are seen semi soon after going to the hospital tend to not bounce back and end up going back to the hospital with the same problem. So we would make sure they're dialed in and able to get their medicines. Like we talked about before, sometimes they're on this medicine that their insurance doesn't cover because that's just what they put them on at the hospital. But so having all those things uh, done and and we we have those conversations. So we kind of know those higher risk patients that are, that are having some more issues. Um, And so we communicate back and forth with each, with each others. Um, as far as uh, nurse practitioners, uh, physician assistants, 
uh, versus doctors. The ones that I've worked with here are great. Um, and training-wise, it just depends on the hours, right? It doesn't, you know, to go to medical school, it's four hours of medical school. I mean, four years of four hours, four years of medical school, and then uh, three to whatever uh, years of uh, residency. Um, I believe the uh, nurse practitioners do uh, a few thousand hours of clinical stuff outside their extra book work, but you got to take into account that they also did. Um, where nurse did nursing school, where they did clinics to get their RN, and many of them have experience working as a nurse. Um, so those count. You know, if you're working in the hospital and you're you're uh, dealing with these sick patients, and oh, well, the doctor ordered this, and they did this and this, and I've been doing that for years, then I've I've got a lot of clinical experience, right? And so I've I've seen what they've done and what they've ordered, and, and those things. Um, physician assistants, they didn't go to RN school first, but they're but they do like I think it's five thousand hours of, of clinical work, um, and in our offices, you know, we, we they'll, they'll ask questions if they got anything, or I'll, I'll even ask them questions if I got something. Uh, we we kind of brainstorm together, and that's that's the benefit of having a a group of people working together, where you've got those other things to bounce things off of, um, which I think is is just adds to the culture of our particular office. Yeah, uh, I, you know, we have a, what we call a huddle every morning where we talk about issues with the clinic and uh, um, and sometimes if there's a certain thing we need to follow up on, then we'll we'll, we'll talk about that or, you know, I, talking with our MAs all the time. Hey, do we follow up on this or they'll remind us of stuff? And so we just have, you know, my office is really, uh, I feel fortunate because we really have a great uh, culture and uh, group here. That's uh, pretty special. Because I just I just felt like I, as a patient, I'm not left alone. I have <clears throat> a team of people looking after me, and and if my problem is uh, more unusual, you guys are collaborating together as well as having huddles on it, as well as other people you can go to. So you're not alone trying to solve the problem. You're all working together, which is which is so so helpful for all of us if we have other people's wisdom to share. Kind of like watching a house. Yeah, and it goes it goes outside of our uh, our individual office with our our care managers um, that aren't in the building. Um, they're they're starting to look at some of that and have the care managers in the offices uh, uh, a couple of days a week um, when we're trying that with some of our offices uh, where they're actually in there. And so you don't have to call them or send a message; you just walk down the hall and they're there. Um, so that's helpful too. And our referral department and just P3 is trying to make it just a seamless seamless group to make it efficient care very good How, very good i appreciate that so as we wrap up um as we've discussed uh many topics <laughs> um, from a physician's point of view so is there any last final word you'd like to offer regarding comprehensive visits to our yeah we kind of went all over the place didn't we <laughs> yeah it was good it's fine so, yeah, I'd just say, look, just get in and get it done. Get your once over, right? Uh, some of the tests will seem silly, but just do it and check it off the box. And, you know, uh, this memory test seems silly. Okay, well, remember three words and draw me a clock and put this time on it. And But I've had, uh, you know, patients that were uh, that all of a sudden there's a change, right? So if we have a baseline now and there's a change down the road, well, we have this one to look back on and say this is what we were doing before and here's where we are now. Um People are like, well, I've always had a memory issue. Okay, well, then as that's consistent all the way through, then we're consistent. Nothing's changed. So, you know, it's not 
it's not a grade for uh, that we're passing or failing somebody. It's like, you know, I had a, a, a patient who was getting their labs done to check their cholesterol, and they uh, this this was a younger patient, but they uh, ate really well for two weeks and got their labs done, then ran across the street at McDonald's because they hadn't had any fast food for a while. So <laughs> I try to tell them, look, you're not trying to impress me. We're not getting a grade. We're just uh, uh, seeing what your risk factors are and what we can change for down the road. Um, but I think uh, as far as comprehensive visit, just just schedule it. And it's not, you know, any Medicare patient anywhere with their doctor. Medicare wants you to do that once a year. It's not just a P3 thing. Uh, the comprehensive visits with the, uh, is what we call them, they may be called something different um, at another uh, facility, but they're basically the same thing with the, with the Medicare Advantage um, patients. So uh, just get in and get it done and get your checkup. And so, and getting those regular checkups help prevent you know, uh, something from showing up as a bigger problem uh, later if we can do some preventative stuff and uh, keeps you healthy and keeps you out, out moving, living, right? So I think doing those help people come into the doctor less um, because it, will, will, it helps another tool to keep you healthier. And so then you're not spending your time out here in the uh, visiting the doctor's office all the time. Very good. Thank you. So again, our guest today was Dr. Troy Bertoli, B-E-R-T-O-L-I, uh, with P3 Medical Group. And the website is p3hp.org. Uh, and I thank you for listening. And until next time, uh, take care of yourself. For more about the topics discussed here today, please visit us at carothersinsurance.com forward slash coffee with Chris. Until next time.